You're listening to the Leaders of the Future podcast, where we believe the leaders of the future are the students of today. Welcome to episode 22, where we continue our look at the topic of discipleship. And today, Julian is riding solo and interviewing Pete Baker from the Pace Movement UK. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Leaders of the Future podcast. I am Julian from The 19 Project, and today I'm going to say I'm on my own. I'm not with my usual sidekick, partner in crime, whatever you want to call him. Joel is off gallivanting somewhere, doing something important, no doubt. Um, But I'm not on my own. I, I miss Joel, obviously. Joel, we miss you terribly, but instead I've got an upgrade today. I've got I've got a really good, excellent replacement. That sounds terrible. And um, you can have a go at me in a moment when I introduce you. But I'm so it's a joy and a privilege to have Pete Baker with me today, National Director of Pays UK. So hello, Pete. How are you? Very good. Hi, Julian. Sorry to not see Joel or hear Joel's beautiful tones, but yeah, great to be with you. And I hope you don't mind me calling you a replacement there, but you're actually, you know what? This could be even better today, couldn't it? We're going for an upgrade. <laughs> um, so, no, it's so good to have you uh, with us today and be able to have a chat around leadership and in particular about discipleship. Um, you might not know this, but on the Leaders of the Future podcast, we're using this acronym LEADER. Um, and the reason we're doing that is because Joel wants to write a book and he wants to use that word as the basis for his book. So we're, we're talking about it in these episodes and we've done L, E and A, love, example and active growth. And we're on to D, which is discipleship. And um, you're a professional discipleship person because you're part of Pays. But why don't you, before we get into that, um, give a little bit of background about who you are and how you've ended up doing what you're doing? Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm married to the beautiful Bryony. We have two amazing daughters, uh, live in the north of England, uh, live in a town called Burnley in Lancashire. Uh, I've lived my whole life in this kind of part of the world, the northwest Manchester, Lancashire kind of area. Uh, grew up in church, great Christian parents, been in church my whole life. Uh, and was probably just quite a normal, average, you know, very shy kid, very, you know, one of those shy, sensitive kids is what you'd have known me as. Uh, hugely passionate about football. That was kind of everything to me as a child and as a, as a young person. Uh, became serious about my faith when I was 15 years old, which I would totally put down to my youth leader. So that I would say I got involved in any form of leadership, ministry, um, roles, all that kind of stuff, uh, because I saw something in my youth leaders. Um, they invested into me. Uh, I gave my life to Jesus at 15 years old, and then I got involved in serving in my local church, served in any way I could, uh, doing the OHP, which is way before all your listeners' time. We've just lost people there, haven't we? (laughs) Pre-video projector, pre-all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, serving in kids, kids' church, youth church, detached youth work, prayer team, worship team, like serving all these different kind of ways, just through myself. Uh, into serving in local church. All I guess all I really knew was at 15 years old, Jesus has changed my life. Um, Jesus is awesome. I want to share him with other people. So I didn't really know what that was called. Um, I, I just knew I, this is my passion now. I just want to share my faith with other people. 
uh, and give other people what someone's done for me. My youth leaders invested into me, cared for me, developed me, grew me, intentionally and unintentionally. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they were just so great. And I thought, I want to do this for someone else. I want to do this for other people. And was looking for an opportunity, uh, you know, serving in all these different ways. I then heard about this free gap year in youth and schools ministry and thought I could do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest, I guess, is history. So how long ago was that when you when you went on pays then? As an actual so, yeah, was, kind of placement year you did? Yes, yes. I was 18 years old. So that's now 20 years ago. So it was summer 2000. I'd just been on a short-term mission in Manchester called Message 2000, which was 10,000 young people from all over the world, mainly British. But I still remember we had some people from Scandinavia come and serve in, in my local town as well. Yeah, so 10,000 young people for 10 days serving the city of Manchester. Um, and I just remember thinking, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, not you know, be in the Manchester Evening News Arena or sleep on, on a church floor or litter picking. But I want to be part of a movement. I want to live my life for mission. Um, and so, yeah, Pe I heard about Pays that year. Uh, Pays was based in Manchester, but then they placed me in this little church in, a, in Burnley, in a town that I'd never been to before, didn't really know anything about. And I just fell in love with Burnley, uh, absolutely loved the youth work and the schools work. So that's what I started doing. I became a full-time volunteer, uh, helped lead a church youth ministry, was leading schools work projects in the town. So yeah, 18 years old, that's when it all started for me. One year, you know, this was a gap year, uh, what a mission year. Um, but very quickly, I knew this is what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Not be on a gap year, but live this life on mission yeah. and try and be a role model to others. So it kind of went from one year to three years full-time volunteering to move into Manchester to join the national team to then become the national director at around 21, 22 years old, um, wow. which is a huge, you know, jump <laughs> uh, as well. I'd led one youth ministry and one schools team. And now I'm suddenly I'm leading this national organization alongside Paul Gibbs, who's the founder. Paul then moved to America, um, which meant that I was leading it in the UK uh, in my in my early 20s. No, that's amazing. And I think it's incredible, isn't it, how God God engineers stuff sometimes in our world. I, I love the fact you said, you know, I did one year of a gap year, but obviously it's not been 20 years of a gap year. <laughs> yeah. But it's an incredible journey to where you are now. And I, like you say, it's a huge step up, isn't it, from just kind of being a mm. full-time volunteer to suddenly finding yourself as um, kind of national director. I mean, that's, that's, in, that's quite incredible. But... Um, mm. Is your team, I'm just going to go back, I'm, I'm not dismissing the whole Christian stuff here and the love for Jesus, but your team, your football team, you say you're passionate about football, is it Burnley? Uh, no, sorry. So they've probably become a second team, um, but my dad's a scouser, so <laughs> right. although I was raised in, in the greater Manchester area, um, no, I, me and my dad are big, passionate Liverpool fans. Oh, you, so, so you're like a traitor, aren't you? You're a traitor to Manchester then. <laughs> how, 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 do you, how do you live? How, you obviously don't put your Liverpool top well, on and go my, around my town. My local teams were Bury or Rochdale. They were the choices. Uh, so I was born in Bury. Rochdale would have been my, my local team. Uh, but yeah, from about 19, 1988, 89 was my first, my first time at Anfield. So I saw the glory days and they all yeah. went badly wrong. Uh, for a, a long time yeah. um, but the glory days are back 
Hey, well, we won't get distracted about that. If Joel was here, he's an Arsenal fan, so you know, I know. it's uh, it's a tragic life that he has. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's. One get... of my earliest football memories was seeing Arsenal steal the league title from us in 1989. So Joel oh, can yeah. have that one. Well, true. Yes. Let's let's it's let's. Let's let's right. let's get to the topic. Let's make sure we yeah. stay on. Let's stay on the topic and let's talk about discipleship. I mean, I yes. jokingly called you a professional discipler because of pays, and that's part of the pays ethos, isn't it? Really? Yes. Um, disciples making disciples. I'm hoping I'm getting that right. That's cool. Um, yeah. But you mentioned the message trust there and and two, year two thousand and doing that. Other than that, or maybe it is that, what's been your most rewarding discipleship experience? Wow. So for me personally, being discipled, um, it was my youth leader, particularly a guy called Justin, you know, from about, I think I met Justin was maybe 11 or 12 years old. He'd had a radical conversion. Um, like his life had been completely transformed. So when I come to our church, he really wanted to invest in the, in the young people, um, and that was me, you know, 11, 12 years old. And so he he would take us on loads of experiences, uh, prayer meetings and big events and small events. And when we were 17 years old, he took us to America for a week to a church that was experiencing revival. And uh, he'd buy us all these books and he'd take us to late night Bible studies. Um, at this, there was this um, survivor of World War II um, who had, after World War II, they'd planted a bunch of churches uh, across the UK and he was in his 80s but we'd go to his house on a Saturday night to do Bible studies um, with Justin so it was almost like if just if Justin's taking us we'll go early morning prayer meetings late night Bible studies uh, street evangelism wherever it might be and there was always fun um, you know there was there was always something crazy going on but there was always an, a, 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 an encounter there was always an opportunity to experience Jesus so that was what really impacted me as a young person. Um, and like I said, you're 18 years old. There was this big mission opportunity, Message 2000. And then September, when I moved to Burnley, um, the youth, the church that I moved to had two young people. And so I would say it was all about them. And there was another church I, I was serving, which, which had more young people. Um, and again, it was investing into those 11-year-olds, those 12-year-olds, those 15-year-olds in this other church. Uh, and some of those people are still involved in their life now. You know, one of those young people uh, that was in that first church I served was messaging this week, uh, praying praying for them. They had some health challenges, uh, praying for them and for their family. One of the guys that I met when he was 15 years old 20 years ago, <clears throat> and at this point I had long hair and a big beard, so my nickname was Jesus. And, and my first encounter with him was just me. Uh, oh, it was him mocking me for how I looked. 20 years later, we're going for a walk this weekend. You know, I was um, part of his wedding party. He's not in church right now, but I'm still involved in his life. So there for me, the rewarding discipleship thing, uh, discipleship moments within youth ministry, within local church, getting involved in people's lives, serving people, empowering people. Within pays, you know, we, every year we have lots of young adults from all over the world that take a year to work with us. So over the 20 years, I don't really know the number. It's, it's you know, over a thousand uh, young adults that we've that we've had with us on pays over those 20 years who are from all over the world who are now all over the world mm. uh, that we've launched you know we have one of these 
Andy Stanley's this great phrase, we don't lose people, we launch people. Every year, most people that do pays leave because it's a gap year, but we don't lose people, we launch them. And they go on, uh, you know, to the workplace, to university, to serve in churches, to have marriages, to be parents. Um, and so over the years, those over thousands of you know people that we've been able to input into, disciple, mentor, that's a real joy. That's a real privilege to see them go on. You know, you might just have one year with them, but to see them go on. One of, one of our favorite phrases in Pays is, our success is in our successors. You know, if you want to know you're successful, it's the phrase you just use, disciples making disciples or missionaries making missionaries. Yeah. How do we know we're doing a good job? How do we know we're being successful? Our success is in our successors, is in those that we raise up. No, I love that. And I love that idea. I love that picture, sorry, of um, those that have been on pays going back and taking what they've learned, all those different experiences. And it, those things are not lost, are they? That, yes. that, that, that the, the year out experience actually is forming them into, into the person for the future. So yeah, into their relationships, their marriages, into their jobs and things that they're going to do in the future. Uh, I love that kind of picture. And actually, that's part of the legacy then, isn't it? For pays. Yes. Um, beyond what they can do in a gap year that they can do mm. even more be, um, after that as well and we've ha we had a pays team at our church and uh, I can definitely echo that in regards to the people that were on the teams here from some of them that I know of what they've gone on to do and what they are doing in, in their own lives now is definitely a success upon mm. the pay success that they had as well um let me ask you another question let me ask you how how would you describe, I mean, obviously you kind of the experience there of discipleship, but I wonder how you would actually kind of describe it. If you had to give a, um, a definition for discipleship to someone who perhaps is thinking, okay, what does discipleship actually mean? Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, we have um, in our teaching, so within pays, yeah, you're right, discipleship is a huge part of our, a huge part of our teaching. And, and we use what we call the Jesus question to kind of unpack Discipleship. So the Jesus question we use for discipleship is, if Jesus took people on an experience that led to education, why do we educate people and hope they have an experience? So I guess discipleship is about uh, becoming more like Jesus, um, becoming people who advance the kingdom of God. And, and the best way to disciple people is by taking them on an experience. Uh, and so often we, we kind of use that phrase because often in church, discipleship, you know, discipleship becomes... Uh, a class or a course and there's nothing wrong with a class or a course but if that's it then maybe we've missed some of discipleship that what we often do is educate people and hope they go and have an experience where Jesus's method seems to be taking people on an experience of the kingdom yeah. and then educating them on the journey so I, I would say for me that's the, the, the essence of discipleship helping people to grow to become more like Jesus but then how do we do that by taking them on an experience of the kingdom no, that's and true. educating and I, them along the way? No, I, I, absolutely. I totally agree. We we actually talked about that a little bit in our introduction last week and, and used right. um, kind of the phrasing of um, we, can, we use this four words. We talked about credibility. We talked about knowledge, experience and coaching because that the like you've talked there, the Jesus model was uh, sending them out and then mm. Have, having that opportunity to have that experience but then coming back and then going come on then let's talk about what was that like exactly for you? what did we yeah. learn um what what yeah. could we do better next time kind of stuff so i love that and obviously the pays that that model of working in schools is a 
I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do discipleship in a tough environment, then let's go into schools mm-hmm. and let's talk to young yeah. people about Jesus, um, yes. <laughs> and represent yeah. Him. That's you. You definitely go into the coal face, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, when you do that. Um, how how does how does discipleship, from your perspective, then fit into leadership development? That, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I would say. Um, they're the same thing, you know. Um, so in in pays, um, the way that would work is we're trying to develop uh, everybody to become the best version of themselves. Uh, and the way we would develop them is through discipleship. So we, what, what you just articulated there in terms of going and have an experience of coming back and reflecting and asking questions, we have a, a process for that called the flow, where it starts with an experience. We then ask reflective questions, what works, what didn't work, why did it work, why didn't it work? That leads us to understanding where we bring some kind of teaching. Then the final part of that flow is multiply it. Okay, what have you learned and who can you pass this on to? So I've maybe developed you in some area of of your life. So in terms of leadership, it might be I'm discipling you in how to make good financial decisions, how to make a budget, how to organize your time, how to prepare an assembly for schools. Uh, how to lead a small group, how to do a great one-on-one conversation. So I might disciple you in all these different areas of life. Some of it's about character, some of it's about competency, and we use the flow to take people through that learning journey. And the end of that learning journey is, okay, what have you learned? Brilliant. Who can you pass that on to? Who do you know that needs to grow in that area? Who, Who are you speaking into? Whose life are you speaking into? That you can pass this understanding on to who can you take on an experience i just took you on this experience who could you take on a similar experience and that's that's our method for how we do the disciples making disciples or the missionaries uh, making missionaries yeah and I, it, I, let me say this it sounds quite simple but i'm guessing <laughs> there are some challenges to that and throw oh yeah you know young young people listening to this podcast are thinking man that sounds great I need to get that kind of flow in my life. I need to have people who are discipling me, but then I need to have people who I'm discipling as well. How can I, maybe they're, maybe they're asking the question, how can I become a great discipler? How can I be better great at question. this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And you're right, like it's easy to say a methodology or yes. a, you know, a formula or whatever, and then life happens or a pandemic happens. So we might say, yes. you know, just meet up with people. And then you say, how do you do that? Uh, you know, so so no, it can be there can be lots of challenges. There's a huge demand and pressure and time on young people's uh, on young people's time as we recognise that. So finding time uh, to have these kind of significant conversations with young people and so yeah, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, how do you become a great disciple? I would say number one, follow Jesus. That's the crucial thing. You know, we're trying to follow Jesus, imitate the Master. I have a friend called Matt Summerfield, and he kind of came up with this really simple model that he calls live life one, two, three. Uh, so the one is having a mentor, and that, that you don't just need one mentor necessarily, but having a person or people that speak into your life. It might be you have different people that speak into different areas of your life, but having a one, having a mentor. So for me, that was Justin very much so. I had other people that spoke into my life, and now that's Paul Gibbs. Paul Gibbs is my main mentor. Um, Paul now lives in America, I live in the UK, but I still, I'm regularly speaking to Paul and he's still 20 years later, 
growing me and developing me in different areas of my life. So that's one. The two is having people to run the race with, peers, running mates, uh, iron, sharp, iron sharpening iron, uh, you know, people that you're a bit like, you know, you and Joel, like you said, you know, you're doing this thing together. You know, so people that you're running with, yep. um, that's so crucial. And, and then three is people that you pour into, people that you get to mentor, people that you get to disciple. Um, and what we always say to the pace guys is sometimes what happens is sometimes people spot you. So sometimes there might be a younger person who sees something in you and they think, I, I want Julian to speak into my life. You might not have spotted them, but they spot you. Sometimes you spot them. Sometimes you see somebody you think, I really see potential. I just think there's something there. There's untapped gold there. And I want to be involved in that person's life. So I would say Justin spotted me before I spotted him. Mm. And then sometimes people are given to you. You know, so again, in pays or in a youth ministry setting or in a church setting, it might be that I say to person A, you know, I really think you should mentor person B, you know, Person A is 18 years old. Person B is 13 years old. I might say to person A, you know, the passions you've got, the skills you've got, that'd be really great for person B. You know, I've done a bit of that today, actually, a bit of matching. I've got this person over here uh, that has a a need and this person over here that has a passion to help people and they don't know each other. So I just connected. I just connected them. Um, So that, yeah. Be a, be, a, be a follower, be teachable. For me, that's so crucial. I know when we're young um, and we're ambitious and enthusiastic, sometimes we might think that we know everything, uh, but great leaders, the great leaders are humble. Uh, you know, there's leaders we could mention uh, that have great positions and great power that do not demonstrate humility or teachability, but we won't talk about them. Uh, but you know, the all the great, all the great leaders, all the great leaders worth following. Andy Stanley says this, you know, leaders, um, leaders worth following are leaders of character. Uh, so teachability, humility. Uh, you know, I look back and think every Saturday night for about a year, I went around to this old couple's house in our church and we sang old hymns and he taught us Bible studies, uh, taught us the Bible and he told us stories about the war. Um, and it was valuable. You know, looking back, that was a really great decision as a 17 year old to spend my Saturday nights uh, learning, being teaching. And not everything he taught me, I took on. You know, some of some of it was a bit old school, but I was humble and teachable and open yeah. uh, to learning and thought, this guy knows a thing or two, you know. Yeah, I, I find that fascinating. And um, it kind of makes me feel that that is missing a little bit. That that mm. doesn't happen in the same, in the same way. And it, but it is that intentionality and so that whole matching stuff that you did i think often people wait for god to reveal to someone that they should be mentoring me you know Mm. i'm I'm, instead of asking them the question will you mentor me and the other way around of i'm waiting for god to reveal somehow you know there'd be some kind of angelic moment and i'll know but actually often it's just you know just looking and going that that young kid there just needs someone to guide them a bit and, exactly. and help them understand and I can do that so exactly, yeah. I don't I do it it doesn't have to be intense it doesn't have to get all kind of serious like you said it can be fun it can be light-hearted it might yeah, not yeah. be what that person would choose but actually uh, the phrase I often think about is that we often give people what they want not what mm. they need and what you needed when you were um, a young lad with your youth leader 
wasn't necessarily what you thought you wanted. Exactly, that's what that's the difference. Yeah. But look where you are now, twenty plus years yeah, later, yeah. and you're still in charge, think, the lead, and then now you're doing that for the people. Exactly. Yeah. And I think another thing I'd say, if you're a young leader and you're actively involved, uh, or going back to leadership development, um, what are you already doing? Take people with you. I can think of a church pastor that I know, really good guy. He leads worship in his church. He preaches every week. He leads a kids ministry, he leads a youth ministry. He does all the chaplaincy, does all pastoral care. Wow. Um, and one time we were talking about discipleship with him and a fr- another friend of mine asked him the question, when you do all this stuff that's amazing, who do you take with you? And he's, he suddenly realized, no one. I don't take anyone with me. And so he's doing all this great ministry, but he's not reproducing himself. He's not discipling anybody. Mm-hmm. And so essentially he becomes a lid. Uh, and so I would say if you're a young leader and you're actively involved in, you know, the worship team, preaching, kids ministry, tech team, wherever it might be, a really good thing to ask yourself is, OK, I'm, I'm doing great at this. Who can I train? Uh, yeah. You know, who can I bring up? Who's my successor? You know, who can I? I've received something. Who can I pass this on to? Who can I pour this into? And for me, that's one of the key things for leadership development. You know, if I get a great... Uh, you know, someone who just loves prayer and they lead the prayer ministry, I might be thinking, brilliant, who can they train? Mm. Um, who can they equip? So so the lid on the prayer ministry isn't this one awesome prayer person. So as well as being a prayer um, ministry leader, they're a leader in the church. They're discipling, they're developing other people. And then again, it's all these skills. So I'm not, maybe I'm not teaching that person. I remember mentoring somebody once who was a great, really good worship leader I'm not a worship leader. So I will, I said to them, I'm not going to help you. I can't help you become a better worship leader, but I can develop you in all these other areas of your life. And I can connect you with worship leaders who are ahead. Uh, you know, friends of mine who are really good worship leaders. I can connect you with them for that skill. But then there's all these other skills, communication, organization. You know, you might be a great worship leader, but your, your organizational skills are really low, you know. Yeah. Um, and so if you can be a better organizer, a better communicator, then that will make you a better worship leader. That will make you a better leader of your worship team yeah. or whatever it might be. So No, it's brilliant. And I really appreciate you, Pete, just unpacking some of that stuff. Mm. Now, one, one final question, because I could talk about this forever, but that would make yeah, it a yeah. very long episode <laughs> and people might not listen. We will do that, so, yeah. Just in, in 30 seconds, maybe, how can people get involved in Pays right now? Great question. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can apply to join our gap year, our free gap year that's in the UK and worldwide. Um, and it's still operating. Despite all the restrictions, we do have young adults from all over the world come to the UK and working all over the all over the world. So that's paysmovement.com. Uh, you can apply today. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Pays Baker is my Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Pete Baker. The, a lot of the content I've mentioned today is from this book, Talmudin by Paul Gibbs. Talmudinflow.com is our website with lots of free resources on there uh, that can help unpack a lot of the things I talked about today around discipleship. So paysmovement.com, talmudinflow.com. Give me a follow. I'd love to be connected to you. No, that's fantastic. I'd love to be able to do that and, and point people in the direction because maybe some people are, are listening thinking, hey, I'd love to take a year out. I'd like to do something different um, that will help others, but also grow me. And I would definitely be an advocate for Pays. It's a great opportunity for any young leaders, young people uh, to do that. So no, thank you, Pete, for being uh, with us today. Thank and you so much. Like I say, sharing your wisdom 
And uh, to all who are listening, thank you for being with us for this episode of the Leaders of the Future podcast. And we'll be back again very soon. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast today. And if you want to be the first to know when a new episode comes out, make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever it is you're listening to this on. And to keep up to date with what's happening with Lift Leaders and the 19 Project, make sure you go to the19project.com or liftleaders.com to stay up to date. Until next time, we'll see you soon.